You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P- please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. What's up, everybody? This is Clark Schmidt here, pitcher for the New York Yankees, and you are listening to the boys of 161st Street, the greatest Yankee podcast in the world. Thank you guys for tuning in. All right. Welcome back to the Boys of 161st Street, episode 140. I don't know what the fuck just happened yesterday. We just melted down on the Angels. I went, I took a little bit of a nap, and then the game just was still going on. And I was like, I don't know how this is happening. Thought it was in the bag. Wasn't in the bag. We're going to get into it a lot. We got a loaded episode for you today. Today, we actually are going to talk a lot about all the stuff that happened in Yankee Land, Hal addressing the media, Boone's comments, Kay's comments, Chapman being broken. We got voicemails at the end. I'm going to hit one in the beginning. Uh, we just got a fucking. New signing. Chandler, do you want to enlighten the people on what happened there? Also, at the back end of this episode, before we get into that, Chandler, we do have a Mets preview podcast that we recorded earlier this morning with Giraffe Nick Mark from YouTube. Big YouTuber, Mets fan. Previewing the Mets series. Hopefully, the Yankees can turn it around by then. But both teams are kind of limping into this series. They lost 20-2 to yesterday. We had the worst loss probably in the last four years historically. So, it might be a good time to, for both of us to meet. I don't know. We'll see. One team's got to lose. One team's got to win. Maybe this will be the first tie of a series we've ever seen. Every single game. No runs being scored. But who did the Yankees just sign, Chandler? I mean, I don't want to downplay it. I'm just going to come out and say, you know, this is a very big day in Yankee land. We don't have to worry about that pesky Aaron Judge guy playing center field anymore. We went out and we got our guy. Right-handed hitter. 6-1, speedy guy, supposedly. I've never seen him play, and that's a fault of my own, not him. Tim LaCastro, your newest MVP. He's uh, he's coming in hot with a 178 batting average, one home run this year, so he's got a little pop from the right side, just like uh, you know a Judge or Stanton. A 38 OPS plus. He's got a negative war this year, and if that wasn't good enough for you, he's a bit of a defensive wizard too. You know, if he takes over center field, you're looking at a negative one in DRS, defensive run saved, and sprout out across all the outfield because, you know, he can play a little bit of everything. He's a, a Swiss Army knife. He's got zero. So he's, you know, right at league average, a little bit below, and that's that's our guy. We're going to the, I mean, we've been complaining. Ladies and gentlemen, hurt us, we got him. Thank fucking God, right? I don't know if you mentioned it too, but he's a righty also, which which helps because we don't have enough of those. No, I I mean, that's what I'm saying, dude. Hal heard us bitching, and he got what the fans wanted. We wanted a new center fielder. He said, hmm, I could get Cattell or Starling Marte. 
But let me do you one better. Let me do you one better. I'm getting you Tim LaCastro. Welcome in. We're going to the World Series. There's your new leadoff. He has a 491 OPS as well. Really if good. all that wasn't enough. But, 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 he does have five RBIs. That's fantastic. I'm very happy for him for that. I don't see this guy. I mean, I, I hope this I hope this isn't it. Obviously, it shouldn't be it. We're going to get into house comments in a second, but before we got anywhere past this Tim LeCastro business, before we moved on, we did have a voicemail from one of our callers from Rathway, New Jersey. Didn't say his name, I don't think, but it's about this Tim LeCastro business. We're going to get to the rest of the voicemails at the back end of this show, but I just wanted to do this one at the beginning because it's obviously on the breaking news note. So here we go. This is Steven from uh, New Steven. Jersey. Uh, first time, long time. Uh, I want to talk about Chapman and Tim LaCostro, however the hell you pronounce his name, but going out and getting a another right-handed hitter Our guy. who is not hitting his fucking body weight is absolutely absurd. I think this is a move just to shut the fans up. And honestly, I think it does more harm than good. This guy, he's pretty much Tyler, a right-handed Tyler Wade. He's got speed and defense. That's exactly what he is, a right-handed Tyler Wade. Um, moving on to Chapman. Um, just a question. I don't know if you guys can find this out, but has, has his struggles coincided with substance, the substance ban? Um, uh, I know he's been shaky in the past, but this is a little bit different, I think. But uh, I don't know. He seems to be struggling a lot more than usual. Uh, that's it. Go Yanks. These calls, and appreciate the call, by the way. If you want to send a voicemail in, thank you, Stephen. Uh, 914-469-2168 is the number to call. Um, th- these calls have been sounding sadder and sadder and angrier and angrier. And honestly, no, it's, it's past the point of being angry. Some are angry, but most of them are just sad, and I feel that completely. Uh, we didn't get a call from Stephen G. this episode, but they will be joining us to do a new segment that we actually are going to implement after. I think we're going to do it for Friday's episode next week. So next week, we're going to do what we call Beat the Boys, which is basically trivia slash Jeopardy, where we want you guys to be involved and play against us and see if you can beat us in trivia I'm not the best at trivia. I know a lot about, like, you know, some stuff, but I'm pretty dumb. Murph is a big historian, so we're going to have kind of a, a tough time beating him. I'm going to be the the host, like uh, RIP Alex Trebek. I'm going to be that for this episode. I think it's going to be Chandler and Murph versus our boy Steve and G. If you do want to become, if you want to get involved and play against us in this, which is going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to put it on the back end of the Friday episode, just in addition to whatever Yankees nonsense we talk about then, probably recapping the Mets series, but if you do want to be a part of that and have a chance to play against us, there is going to be a Google form in our Instagram highlight, little circles on our profile, and basically just fill it out either alone or with a friend, and if you're alone, we can just pair you with another person to play against us, and basically all you have to do is subscribe to the Bronx Pinstripes YouTube where we go live on, and or leave us a review on iTunes, and if you do both, you get a double entry, and you might just get a chance to get on. And in terms of the questions, we will always put out a swipe up to f- ask for questions on the Thursday leading up to the actual show. 
And you can email us at the 161podcast at gmail.com or slide in our DMs and send us a question. Or we can just think about it ourselves. But these are going to be a lot of fun. And uh, one more thing before we get going on the rest of the show is we just wanted to make sure you guys were aware that the show is presented by Action Network and we wanted you to download the Action app. The Greasy Parlay, Chandler's Greasy Parlay, hit yesterday for the first time in a while, which is great. And if you wanted to follow us on the Action app, I am 161 Luke, that is 161 Bing. The rest of the guys are 161 Chandler, 161 Murph, and 161 Damon. Excuse me, Chandler. Uh, yeah, so the Greasy Parlay hit. I mean, it was electric. It's been a while. Uh, hit a bit of a cold streak, as you like to point out to me every single day. Mm-hmm. But um, that's okay. We're back now, and I don't. I don't really foresee the greasy parlay losing again this year. So, get it while it's hot. Get it while it's hot is right. So, let's get into the Yankee news. And by the way, all that stuff, uh, Apple Music, YouTube, Action Network, all going to be in the description below in the YouTube or on the uh, Apple Podcast, wherever you're listening to it. So. While we are uh, while we were recording the Mets preview podcast, which, like I said, is going to be at the back end of this episode, Hal Steinbrenner addressed the media, and what did he say to the media, Chandler? Because a lot of this, there were a lot of comments from you know there. there I first of all, before we get into that, there have been so many media addresses, however you want to say that, this year. I think if we were whoever is keeping score at home, this has to be the most addresses of the media at this point in a single season, which is not a good sign. You never really address the media when you're doing well. You always address the media when you're doing pretty fucking shit. And it's even not even just like big addresses like this, how at one or at least it was anticipated to be big. Like you got Cashman before the game yesterday saying, Hey, playing at flat out, we suck. And then it's just, it's just bad. So what did Hal say to the media? Got a lot of good things here. Um, you're not going <laughs> to guess any of them, really. So we have the first one. Aaron Boone and the coaches are absolutely the right people to lead this team. Spot on. Totally agreed there. Um, <laughs> we're not going to get down. We've had tough losses before. We're going to do everything we can to win, win, and win. Awesome. Very good. Thank you. Because I don't think they're doing that right now. So you sure shit don't need to change anything. And then this one, one of my... Uh, there's two more good ones I really like here. This one's one of my favorite, and I've never heard it before, so I'm definitely feeling positive that he'll absolutely consider exceeding the luxury tax if the player's operations come with the right person. Never heard that before. I know he's going to do it this time. <laughs> um, and then firing personnel in season. My dad did that a lot, and what people forget is that it didn't work. Which he's dead right because, you know, they never under George Steinbrenner, they never won a World Series. So, you know, spot on all the way around. And you just can't be upset at something like that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Fuck so if you can't read a room and you're listening to this, that was pretty clear sarcasm. Hal Steinbrenner, we started a GoFundMe for him to sell the fucking team. He didn't sell the team. I was hoping he was announcing that he would sell the team in that moment right there. But, uh, yeah, just absolutely tone deaf, tone deaf address. We we'll call just, it the, the Gettysburg address. There's no way he's ever watched a game. If no. I just, he said something today. I, it just sounds to me like he just nobody. He doesn't even know the record. He just thinks it's like typical Yankees fans complaining. He's like, yeah, I mean, it's fine. We've lost a game before. We're just gonna come out and win. Like it, it'll turn around. Like no, it fucking won't. Even your GM that for some reason you're so fucking loyal to has said it. This team fucking sucks. 
And Stanton talked about it yesterday. He's the only person who's given us a real answer. He's like, yeah, I mean, we're playing like shit. We need to pick it up. And they're like, whoa, somebody gave us an honest answer that isn't, we're, you know, we're, 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 we're going to turn the, the page. Talk is cheap. We just got to start performing a little better. No, you need to do a total 180. This team fucking blows. And then that game last night was disgusting. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that game yet. We'll get into that. But like on top of that, so leading up to this game, for those who need a little bit of a recap who didn't watch the games, and I don't blame you. And I honestly, I appreciate if you are one of those people who aren't watching the games, but you're listening to this podcast, I mean, you're one of the real ones because that's fucking awesome. We appreciate you there. So for those people, I'll give you a little bit of a recap because I love you guys. Boone leading up to the series says that this is the season's on the line. And what does he do? You know, when the season's on the line, you, you tend to want to, you know, you know, play maybe your, your only good player who's been on a potential MVP run and, you know, also playing a lot of games and to which there was obvious potential for the game following to get rained out, which, oh, by the way, it did. It did get rained out. And, uh, yeah, he benches Judge and we, we have what well, Geo, two of the best hitters this season and... On, in a game no less against Shohei Otani, which you need to win. And yes, they did knock him around in the first inning. In, the, in two-thirds of an inning, he gives up seven runs. But I will add one quick little caveat. That not wasn't necessarily due to the Yankees smacking him around. If you think he, they smacked him around, he gifted us four walks. I think it was four or three. I think it was four. He gifted us four walks in, point, in, in two outs that he got. We got two hits. So, and I mean... I, I was tweeting it all the time, too. Like, now would be a pretty damn good time to pinch hit Judge. I know it's the first inning, but he shouldn't have been out to begin with. So it, maybe this would be a good opportunity to pinch hit Judge. Because I just want him back in the fucking lineup. Gio Urshela, too. Do a, do, they can both walk up to the plate together. And they can do rock, paper, scissors with to decide who's getting the at-bat. But either one of them I wanted to be in that spot. Especially with bases loaded. And even for... I said it while Glaber was up. Because, you know, Glaber's struggling. That's not going to work out because you can't do whatever double switch or how, how are you going to figure it out? But when Brett fucking Gardner got up there, I think there was one out. I mean, come on. I think, I don't think he did anything bad. I think he did get on. He walked, but instead of a walk, maybe you have Aaron judge, your best player. It's a fucking grand slam. Maybe that happens. Or I think there was two on whatever the fuck it may be. We ended up scoring runs there. Thank God. I think if we didn't, I would have been coming for heads. Like, okay, that's the last straw. Fire him now. Fire them all now. Clean house right now because this is a game where you guys need to start your guys. If it's a fucking, if it's the season's on the line, that makes no fucking sense to me. It makes no sense to me. But one thing I did want to get into before we address that, it's on the same note, so we might as well just give Michael K's little two cents because he was going off on the Michael K show, and I agree with every word he said, so let's hear what he had to say. Absolutely inexcusable by the organization and by Boone and by Judge not to go into that office and demand to be in the lineup. Because Aaron Judge has a lot of sway in his organization. If he pounded on the door and said, I want to be in the lineup, he would be in the lineup. This is on him, unless he's hurt. And then if he's hurt, he should allow Boone to say he's hurt. I mean, I completely agree with that. I, I, it is on Judge, too. And I'm, and, I, and maybe he did say something. And I, I No, but I don't think he did say something. And I'm tired of just like allowing judge to just be like oh it's not his fault he was told not to be in the lineup he said even just like michael k said he does have sway in this organization same goes with stanton too on these off days or with him playing the outfield he absolutely can say something like hey 
I'm taking reps in the outfield. I want to play out there to get my team back on track so I don't have to just keep addressing the media and saying, yeah, this sucks, we're shit. Maybe we can all get together and play when the season's on the line. Like, this, this just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. And Well, so judges, you know, the judge thing is such a catastrophe that he wasn't in the lineup and just so fucking baffling. It's taken away from the fact that Boone came out and said – we wanted to get Odor's bat in the lineup and took Gio out. You know, part of House thing today he was bitching about the players. He was like, "Yeah, we f- fully believe in our thing." He, he pinned one hundred percent of the blame on the players, nothing on the manager, on the general manager, anything like that. You know what is the manager's decision? Putting in fucking Roofnet Odor over Gio Urshela because you wanted to get him at bats. Roofnet Odor came comes in. He's batting in the five hole or six hole. He comes in with the bases loaded, no outs, and fucking strikes out on three straight pitches that bounce in the grass. Like, I'm sorry. That is a manager mistake. That comes from Boone. That does not come from the players. Yeah, the players have plenty of blame. Everybody has blame. This team, it's flawed from the bottom to the top. But that comes from the manager. If Roofnet Odor is coming in there with the bases loaded and your season's on the line, then something's really fucking wrong. Also, can we – one thing you did say that I want to bring up too – in his comments, house comments, he was saying it's like 100% on the players and all that stuff, not on management. We're still behind the management, we're still behind the team. What kind of message does that send to the players or to the potential new players that we may be trading for or sign in years to come that upper management, the GM and the, and the, the manager can do no wrong and the owner of the team is saying that a historically disappointing season where there are clear managerial decisions that are going wrong and clear and obvious moves that were made on the GM side that have been historically bad, being the Stanton trade and other trades like that. And it's just like all the trades that don't work out, all the pitching trades, the Paxton, the Tyone that isn't working out now, all of these deals that he's making are looking pretty ugly. And you look at the one Voight trade and the one Geo trade, and you're like, oh, he's great. He's not. And when you see all those moves and then you see Hal say, that the players are the ones at fault. What kind of message does that send to the people that want to play for the Yankees? They're just not going to like playing for the Yankees. And that's like a slap in the face. If I'm a player, at least I know it is on the players a lot. The players are definitely underperforming, but at some point you guys have to share the blame and not just point fingers. That's to me, that press conference was a lot of pointing fingers at people that didn't solely deserve blame. And I think that's a big slap in the face at all the players in the organization. And I don't like the way this team is going to be going like just the way the, the relationship with players going forward because of that. We've talked a lot about the way like the, just the environment of being in the Yankees is already a stringent strict. You got to fucking shave your beard. You got to be the Yankee way you play for the number on the back, not the name and all that bullshit. And I, you, I guess you just deal with it because the Yankees are a historic franchise. But when you don't have, your players' backs and you point fingers at them and all that shit. It's just like having a bad boss. It is literally a bad boss. And it's just like, you don't want to play for that guy. And these guys are making so much money and they can make money elsewhere and request trades and do all these things, which I don't know if they can do right now because they are underperforming. But all of these things just makes for a big fucking clusterfuck of just toxicity within this organization. And it's it's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me that... Nobody, I, I, we've been saying it for every episode. I don't know how nobody's fired yet, or I don't know how his, somebody else hasn't been brought onto the team yet because it's just ridiculous. Well, it shows me that his, he cares about his loyalty to Brian Cashman and he cares about his pocket because if you don't care, like his loyalty to Brian Cashman makes no fucking sense to me. 
That's what this all is. Hey, yeah, yeah, it's the players' fault. Okay, blame it on them. Who brought the players in? Who constructed this roster from top to bottom? It's Brian Cashman. So, yeah, if the players are underperforming, it's on them for sucking. But it's also on the guy who put the fucking team out there. Like, I'm sorry, but you can blame them all you want, and I know they're underperforming, but you constructed a lineup of nine identical players. Look in the mirror. And and one more thing I want to talk about while we are on the topic before we get into actual like performances and stuff because just seems like I don't I don't know I don't even know how to how to describe this but Boone's comments about about Shohei Otani coming up like I get it Shohei Otani is great and I'll give him all the credit in the world maybe not maybe he sucks because we knocked him around not really he just fucking gave us he had a bad outing I'm not gonna write off his MVP year or anything like that he's he's definitely fucking good at baseball. And everybody has bad outings. That being said, same goes for Cole, who has been have not playing so well right now. I know we'll get to that a little bit later in the rounding third section. But the co- the comment Boone made, there's a little bit of fear when he walks up there. Like that is just the uh, that's just a pussy comment. Like don't say that. Say that. Like just say, I, I agree. Like you say he's a he's a damn good player, but like you say that and you leave it there. You don't say there's a little bit of fear when he comes up. Like you're competing against this guy. You don't want to give him any extra confidence. I don't know if he can see that or whatever the fuck's going on with that or needs a translator to see it or whatever it may be, but he's going to see that and he's going to he's going to feel that and he's going to you're going to fuel him. Like that type of thing, you don't want to show any fear with anybody in the world, let alone somebody you're directly competing against. And it's just like, yeah, he's a good player, but maybe you don't say that and maybe you just make a good managerial decision and maybe pinch maybe maybe like intentionally walk him. Maybe that would be a good way of saying that without saying it and also benefiting the team because then you pitch That's right totally at him and then he hits fucking three home runs because Jameson Tyone's on the bump and he can't fucking get anybody out, let alone the reincarnation of Babe Ruth. So I, I don't know. It's Little League 101. Like when you're going up and if you're not the best player in the league and you're facing that one kid who throws like 70 at 10 years old and everybody's just like scared as shit. But you don't say that. That's the first thing your coach tells you. Like, yeah, don't let them know you're scared of them or you're already, you've already lost the battle. When your fucking manager is saying that, that's an issue. Grow some fucking balls, man. You're in the major leagues. Holy hell. Yeah, so uh, off that topic, I'm getting a little too fucking angry, so I think we need to just dial back. I don't, I don't foresee me getting any less angry, but I get re- particularly angry when we talk about Boone and, and Cashman and all those people because it's something that we can't even control. And I, I don't for, apparently Hal backs them, so there's, they're not changing anytime soon. So the players on the field that uh, are also underperforming, and I'm upset with. So Raldis Chapman had a zero ERA through 18 innings, 18 outings back on May 21st. 13 appearances later, Chapman now has a 3.77 ERA on the season. Now, zero ERA, no matter how many outings you're going to get, is going to inflate and reliever ERA is not that big a deal, but he absolutely has fallen off he's a bit. Lost he, he's lost it. And, you know, we got the first caller. Uh, I think it was uh, Steve, Steven, I think. Um, yeah, he mentioned that too. And he was questioning the sticky stuff with Chapman. And that's not even something that I even thought about. Cause you know, everybody's talking about Garrett Cole being the one because he's, he was the best pitcher in the league, but so was Chapman. Chapman was the best at his at his individual job at at the time. So, you know, when you look at that and you look at the timing of things, maybe, I mean, it's not 
a shock if that is the case because everybody does it, like we said. But, you know, this, I think for a guy like Chapman, who we know to get wild from time to time, I think he is probably the exact person who would benefit from from spider attack or anything like that because he can control things. And then the one thing that he lost that he did have would that we mentioned that this year, like this is the best version of Chapman that we've ever seen. He's got all the off speed. He's doing all this stuff. There's a new sinker and then all the, and it's the sinker. It's a, no, the split finger. The new split finger comes in. He can control everything. He's not walking as many people. Now what happens yesterday? He has a, he, he fucking walks the bases load and gives up a grand slam. Now I'm not saying Chapman's, completely lost it or he's fucking bad people are saying in the in our dms like trade chapman trade chapman now i don't think that's the case now i think if we were going to sell maybe he would be one that you sell but i don't want to sell and 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 hal even said he's not even thinking about it and i'm glad that that was the one thing that i guess was good but at the same time we've had this whole conversation of buying and selling where this team isn't a piece or two away from a world series maybe if everybody on everybody on the team comes around we are but that's that's neither here nor there, but I do think Chapman absolutely used a pine tar or spider tag because everybody did, and I think we are seeing a little bit of the ripple effects of that. Now, I would like to see a bigger sample size than to write him off as being the pitcher that he is. I mean, I just think he's... Like he always hits a patch like this, though. Yeah, in the I'm, not, I'm not totally not worried. Not to this extent, but every summer he has... Even in 2019, I think it was, he... Had that he was an all star and then he kind of collapsed. I use that term, you know, loosely, but he kind of collapsed and everybody was ready to kick him to the curb, whatever. And then he came back and was dominant at the end of the year. It's a yearly thing with him. I just think the way he throws and as hard as he throws his stuff, everything like that, there's bound to be one little mechanical issue that throws you off for a month or two. I still think he's an elite closer. And I kind of said something about this earlier. I don't know why, like in times like right now, when you have a guy like Jonathan Lewisaga, who's been absolutely disgusting, why don't you work him in a few days a week? Give Chapman a little extra rest, a little extra bullpen time to work things out. He didn't lose his job. I'm just saying work in another guy right now in a four-run game. You know, if you still need your guy in a high-leverage situation, no, he didn't lose that job. But in a four-run game or a three-run game, let a guy like Jonathan Lewisaga, who's been – probably our best bullpen arm this year let him go out there and close a let him go out there and close a game and then let chapman work on his shit and come back out there and be obviously not the guy he was earlier because zero era is impossible but be the elite closer that we know he is but they won't they just have too much pride to go and do anything logical that'll hurt somebody's feelings there's a happy balance between being an asshole coach and just coddling every single thing Boone is so afraid to make somebody on this team sad and hurt their feelings that he won't make a logical decision. To me, that seems like a no-brainer. Like, why press your guy that can't fucking throw strikes and is clearly off in some way, shape, or form? It just makes no sense. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not not worried about Chapman. I think he'll figure it out. I do think he's lacking control because of the lack of spider attack, but I don't think necessarily that's the end of Chapman. I think he'll figure it out like everybody else will without it, or they'll allow a substance for them to use and they'll figure it out hopefully. But I don't know. Uh, In terms of the next topic we have, what? Breaking news. What's that? The Yankees have acquired another outfielder. 
Aldinas Sanchez. Sanchez. Wow. As the player to be named later in the Mike Ford deal. So it looks like uh, LaCastro's got some competition. Yeah. There's going to be a position battle. God. You think when we thought. you think when we do roll calls at the beginning of uh a next year that Aldinas Sanchez is going to be one of the ones that we talk about? I think he's gonna, he might be the best one that we talk about. He'll probably get his own episode if he can beat out LaCastro. That's the thing though. Yeah. You got you got to keep that in mind because LaCastro is coming in piping hot right now. So yeah, there's nobody hotter than than LaCastro. So yeah. uh, speaking of people that are getting an opportunity, uh, Jason Dominguez is uh, this is actually the, probably the only happy thing that we're going to talk about this entire episode. I think is it happy though? No, I think it's just exciting. I mean, he's he's playing in the Future Stars game, the All Star game, and you know nobody usually watches the All Star game, so like nobody gives a fuck about it ever since they. It's no longer. You know the the winning team gets the the home field advantage, right? They they threw that away, yeah. Which makes no sense because that was actually fun, and then it it mattered a little bit at least. But um, you know, Jason Dominguez gets the uh, the he he's this is the first action we're going to see out of him. And in terms of watching, I, I'm more excited for that Future Stars game than I am for the actual All Star game. And there's a pretty good list of people that are on this this list, like Jared Kalenic. Uh, like Medina, a bu- Medina. There's a bunch of good names that are actually make this pretty exciting to watch, and uh, I'm I'm excited to get a look at him. He got his pro debut a a couple days ago, and he's 0 for six with a couple Ks and a couple walks. Yeah, whatever. But it, we're starting to get looks at Jason Dominguez, so I'm I'm very excited about I'm excited that. That we're getting looks. I don't think putting him in the futures game is a good call. That's just they're building this guy up. They're literally building him up for failure. Like. Anything short of Mike Trout at this point, he's going to be deemed a bust. Like he's 18 years old, you're fucking with this kid's future. You're putting him in the futures game when he just got his first major league, or not major league, but you know what I mean. His first professional at bats a week ago, and the uh, futures game is a week from now or a week and a half from now, whatever. Like you're setting him up for failure with this, which I think it's exciting. Don't get me wrong; I'm not trying to be a total Debbie Downer. It's awesome that we have this guy in our system. He's got everything you need to be to be a superstar, but it's kind of the same thing with Byron Buxton. People hyped him up to be the next Babe Ruth slash Willie Mays slash whatever combined rolled into one. And it's Vlad Jr., you know, and you come out here and you struggle for a year or two, and then everybody just shits on you and writes you off after a year. It's just this. He's going to have the highest expectations of anybody in recent memory because of shit like this, and I hope he can live up to him. Which I know he can't because they're unrealistic at this point. But yeah. So do you want to get into the rounding thirds? Because we we've been doing we've toyed with the the rounding thirds before, and I think we finally figured out the segment uh, because rounding thirds are they're a little infrequent for us, and we had to think about hot takes and stuff. So I think this is a better way to do it going forward. And I think going forward we'll just do the rounding thirds on the Friday episode. We'll do hot or not on the Monday episodes, along with voicemails. We're going to do voicemails today, but going forward the voicemails will be on Monday's episode. And yeah, I think we'll we'll do that. So rounding third today, it's basically just gonna be buy or sell. We're gonna call you safer out. It's our version of buy or sell. And um, if you guys want to get involved in this, we posted it the day before, so we'll post it on Thursdays to get entries for the the rounding thirds. And we basically just ask for your hot takes, and we're, me and Chandler are going to buy or sell these hot takes. So in term, so for this for this episode, I'll ask Chandler, and he'll answer. Rapid fire, we'll get into the conversation about each one. So. Like I said, you guys sent in your hot takes, and we're going to buy or sell them. Let's do it. So the first one comes from Cesar Suarez Para from Instagram. 
said Cole isn't isn't a top three pitcher. Are you buying or selling that? Sell. Yeah, I think that's there's not enough. I think, for, I think that's a bit of an overreaction. That's a total overreaction. <laughs> and I get the frustration, but no. He's still a top three pitcher, and I think maybe that be that might be a little bit of a just like you of you, that's what you saw recently. Like you, you're noticing that since he's not using spider attack and all that stuff, he's not playing that well right now. But like so is the rest of the league. You look at Lucas Giolito with that situation with Josh Donaldson, and you know he he gets knocked around one time for the homer. And just a bunch of different things. It's not. It's not just Cole that's dealing with this stuff. And we, like we just said, we saw it with Chapman. Cole is definitely, definitely a top three pitcher. I think he's the second best pitcher in the league, and I think he's still going to win the Cy Young. So I'm going to sell that as well. So moving on to the next one, uh, I think the name is Sturk ninety eight from Instagram. Also, Brian Cashman sells the farm for a top flight arm and three bats. Are you buying or selling that? I don't think he will, but I would love it if he did. So you're selling that, but you you if you were him, you'd be buying it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I call if you're doing the safe route. I'm saying he's safe. That I like the idea out. That I don't think it's going to happen because I think the front office is way too big of just pussies to do it. So yeah, I, he said specifically sell the farm. So that means everybody. That means Jason Dominguez as well. That means probably Luis Gill, Luis Medina. That means. Debbie Garcia, Clark Schmidt, like sell the farm and go out and do it. I don't think that's worth it because, like I said, we're going to need to get a lot in return to even be a potential World Series team this year. So I don't even think it's borderline worth it to do that. I want to see it. Again, it's not in my pockets, but I feel like selling the farm, it's different from signing a free agent. Signing a free agent, I don't give a fuck that's not in my pockets type thing. You can go over the luxury tax for all I fucking care. But in terms of prospects, that sets you back if you miss on that. And I don't that's here's the thing with that. I don't trust this GM to make a move that works while also getting rid of the entire farm. So it's like yeah, it almost would trade Dominguez for like Kyle Gibson or something. Yeah. So I, I do not trust the man Brian Cashman based on his prior track record to make a move that is is worthy of selling off the farm. And I mean in terms of top flight arm, I would like to get Max Scherzer and three bats. I would like to get Andrew Benatendi, Starlin Marte, and Cattell Marte. And if those are the names that we get, story and then story as well. Like if we get those names, we're gonna have to literally. I think we literally would have to give up everybody. And on top of that, with the trades, one we're the Yankees, so nobody wants to trade to us because they don't want to give us another World Series. Two. Everybody knows we're desperate, and, and you you have no bargaining chips when you are literally the laughing stock of the league right now. You were supposed to be World Series favorite, and now you're a 500 baseball team imploding every day and addressing the media every day. So what bargaining chips do you have? You have no bargaining chips, so I don't think that we're going to get anybody at a good cost. So we're going to overpay for everybody, and I just don't see us getting that many people for the farm that we that we have, and I don't think our farm is that deep anyway. We have a few good names, and I, I don't even know. I don't know, so I'm gonna good, I'm gonna sell we that. Top, we have a good top tier, and then it just really drops off. But I, it's you know we are the laughing stock of the league. I wanted to touch on that because I saw a fucking poll on Twitter today that just made me sad. Like you can't even be mad at it, but it's like which is more repulsive, the 2021 New York Yankees or a McDonald's fillet of fish? And it was like 90-10 the New York Yankees. <laughs> I agree, but the McDonald's fillet of fish is pretty fucking gross. Oh, it's gross, but I, I watched a guy eat a 
McDonald's filet of fish with extra tartar just like dripping down his hand once as like a 10 or 11 year old and it scarred me for the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, there's some crazy shit that happens here in New York City. So I've, I've seen some, some shit, especially in the subways. Imagine that. Imagine a guy eating a filet of fish, dripping in tartar sauce while also pissing down the stairs. That's basically what I see when I go in the subways on a daily basis, especially around me. It's not that bad, but like around like 34th street Penn station area. That is, that is a dirty place. I, if you, if anybody lives there, I'm sorry for coming at your, your neighborhood, but it's fucking gross over there. So next one we're going for is Torres sucks. And we should have traded him when we had the chance from Dilly Fran underscore TTM. I think it was the name. I'm going to go ahead and sell this one. I think this is very short-sighted. I know he hasn't been great. For, we've, we've said it on, on the podcast before. He's had six home runs in the last two years. He had 38. No, he had 62, I think it was, in the first two years combined. And, um, yeah, the number of 38 was from one year. So he had 38 in one year. I'm going to sell this. I think he's going to bounce back. He's starting to hit the ball a little bit well from that one game. I forget if he did anything in yesterday's game. Yeah, he had the single with the bases loaded. It was his only hit, though. Okay, so he's starting to turn it around. I really hope that is him turning it around. He went through, that being said, he went through one of the fucking worst slides I've ever seen somebody go through. We were talking before. It could be Chris Davis-esque. I'm hoping that we've, we've, we've crossed that and we're moving on to the next chapter. I hope July is Glaber Torres' month. So I'm going to sell that. Uh, sell it as well. I mean, unless you're getting Story Seeger or Lindor at the time when he was hot, then no, no, no. absolutely not. We've been selling a lot of these. We did ask for hot takes, so we got to expect a lot of sales. But uh, hey, I bought the first one. The first one was Cole isn't a top three pitcher. No, no, no. Second one then, the trade the farm one. Okay, yeah. So next one comes from Drew Wallace, 88. Otani is not the MVP. I'm going to go ahead and sell this as well. Uh, I don't think one start is going to is going to make him not the MVP by any stretch of the imagination. I think everybody has these blowups. His ERA is going to inflate a little bit, but after a few more games where he pitches against like the Tigers and other teams, Mariners, it'll go right back. So I don't consider that to uh, be the end of his MVP reign, especially considering there's so many months left in the season. I do think Vlad Guerrero is tearing the cover off the ball. And if Otani, here's the thing we talked about on the action network episode ad, but we were talking about how like the built-in odds, it's about an even match between Vladdy and uh, Shohei Otani because I think the Vegas odds makers are assuming that Shohei Otani is going to get hurt at some point, which could definitely be the case. And he could just hit. And if that does happen, then I think Vlad absolutely is the one who wins it, especially because their war numbers with Otani's pitching and hitting combined are pretty much even with Vlad's overall war numbers just by hitting. So that's pretty crazy on its own. He's batting like 340. Uh, I, I think I'm buying it right now, honestly. Like Vlad Jr. is putting up a historically great year. Like this reminds me of Bryce Harper's MVP run. Like he's putting up that kind of stat line. I mean, I yeah, Shohei's doing great and he pitches and hits, but his ERA went up a full run yesterday. He's almost at a, I think he's like a three seven now or something like that after that. Which yeah, it's still incredible and it's inflated. It'll come back down, but I don't think he's gonna have 32 starts or every anything like that. Like there's just your body can't take that much. And if it is, I hope I'm wrong. Cause he's awesome for baseball. But if I had to bet on one, I, I'd give me Vlad jr. I mean, he's just fucking incredible, man. 
Yeah, he's he's going to be good for a long time. He's going to be a problem for a long time. He's going to hit fifty or sixty home runs this year, and probably realistically, that'd be crazy. Mid three hundreds. He's going to. I mean, he's got twenty seven or twenty eight, and it's we still have a week and a half before the All Star. Out of the two, I have more confidence that Vlad will end up hitting more home runs by the end of the year, and I think that's obvious. But it would be cool that if they if those two had a little bit of a like a like a home run race similar to like a Maguire Sosa type thing, but not quite up there. It's, that'd be cool. That'd be cool if they were, uh, they were both at like 50 and they were doing the damn thing. Moving on to the next one from Andrew Brichard. Sorry if I butcher these names, by the way, but appreciate you guys sending them in. Uh, he said Torres will never hit 30 plus homers again. And I think this one I might buy because I don't think Torres was ever a power hitter. I think, you know, here's the thing. I think he, I think he'll probably a, a season or two hit, like 30 on the dot. So I think 30 plus. So I'll, 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 I'll buy it for that reason. But I just don't think Torres is a power hitter. I think that that was the one year that there was the juiced balls and, you know, that's just what happened that year. He had 38. So it's really only eight more than 30. So I think that's a fair thing to say. And I think he's, I think he's genuinely just more of a contact hitter that can hit for power. And that's to be expected in the middle infield. There's not necessarily that many power hitters except that aren't named Trevor Story. So I'm going to buy this one. I'm buying it too. I, you know, I think it was a product of the juice ball and just a little bit of catching lightning in a bottle. That was the next man up here where literally nobody could do anything wrong. You know, the whole entire season was just uh, everybody like Austin Romine was a good catcher during that season. Like, and not that's not to show Austin Romine. I love Austin Romine. I'm just I'm just saying. Like Austin Romine was a good hitter for stretches of time, and everybody was doing these just unheard of things. I think that was lightning in a bottle. He was never a power hitter in the minors, anything like that. So yeah, I think I think at his peak, you know, he's still 24, so he's still got his prime to get to and everything like that. I think at his peak, he's like a 280 hitter. He'll probably hit in the mid 20s, home runs. You know he'll get on base a, like a, like a three something clip like low three hundreds. He'll just be a solid hitter. Not I don't think he's like a Hall of Fame player, but no. I, obviously it's too early. I'm just saying I think he's a solid hitter, and I think he needs to never play shortstop again. He needs to play second base. And I don't think that's a that's a, a staying at Glaber that he won't hit thirty plus home runs. I think I think he's better as a contact hitter. So I think if he can just focus on being that contact hitter, like a a Nick Madrigal type player. He's a young guy who's just hitting for contact, not worrying about the home run ball. I think that's what I would prefer out of Glaber Torres, especially because, you know, my views on the Yankees, I want them to be not home runner bust. I want them to be, you know, like the Kansas City Royals when they won the World Series. I keep saying that. I would like to just put the ball in play. So that's what I want out of Glaber Torres, and I think he should just lean into that. So next one is from Alexis Pelletier. I think I nailed that name, by the way. Uh, He said... Luis Sessa is the GOAT. That's probably directed at you, Chandler. Do you buy or sell that one? Absolutely sell that for like a penny. Get the fuck out of <laughs> No. Sorry. No, not to be disrespectful, but no. Luis I think Sessa that was just fun. directed at you. So the next one care. comes I'm from more riled up than losing to the Me14ND. Trade DJ. Okay. I don't want to trade DJ, but I get it. Like I don't it if it's for the right person. Like if you go out and you get story this summer and you want to move Glaber back to second and DJ's the casualty in that, and I know this is a huge, huge if, and there's a lot of things that have to go right, but I don't 
hate it. I understand it. I'm not advocating for DJ to be traded. I get it, though. I don't want to trade DJ, but... And I don't think Hal will trade DJ, so I think if, if, if in terms of the question... I think this is more saying you should. I don't. Uh, this isn't asking if they will. So in terms of that question, I think, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, if you asked me like a couple months ago, obviously not because we just re-signed him. But at this moment, we're playing this bad. You know, you look at some of the other teams like the Red Sox selling off Mookie Betts and then they were immediately right back in it in terms of being a good team. I don't know if they'll, if they'll finish the season on top. I think they could. I think they look like a great team. They just put up 15 on, <laughs> I forget who they played today. I think it was the Royals. But they put up 15 against them, and they're looking good. You know, there is an argument to be made where you can sell off all these pieces. There are some pieces that aren't very attractive, like Giancarlo said, and won't be traded. I think in terms of all the superstars on the Yankees, I think that he is probably the one that is most tradable to a team. I don't want him to be traded, but I I think in terms of looking at it in that lens, Stan's not going to be traded. We're not going to trade Garrett Cole. Judge is another one that you could probably trade. Everybody makes the argument for that because of the injury stuff. Um, I think DJ's there too. I think Glaber's there too. So those are the three cornerstone pieces. I, people are saying trade Gary. I don't, and that's actually another one of these questions that we're getting from people. Actually, right, it's from D. Kahi seventy one. He said trade away Gary. Uh, he's been hot. It's the perfect time to sell high. So in terms of that same conversation, I'm going to, I'm going to sell that just because I don't want to be sellers and. That's basically it. But also, Gary's playing well again, and I'm starting to buy that Gary is is, is at least going to be an average catcher, if not above average. Like we've said forever, the catcher position is a very lackluster position offensively. Yes, the defense sucks, and that bothers me. But I do think if he can remotely stay at this pace, he's one of the top offensive catchers in the league. And I think everybody knows that. That's obvious. But whether or not he will remains to be seen. But I, I don't know. I don't. I just don't see another catcher that really. There's only a few catchers in the league that like. I'll I'll cream my pants over. Like you know like. <laughs> like I don't. No, that's I, I would actually had one that I don't totally disagree with because yeah I, yeah he's one of the best. But like if things are trending the way they are, and I'm not saying you're total sellers, but if it's kind of like twenty fuck what was it. 14 where we sold off Chapman or, no that was 2016 where we sold off Chapman and Andrew Miller and all them and Gary Sanchez is a casualty of that and you go out and get get the story or get the superstar and he's part of a package like that while he's hot I don't hate that because the Yankees have been drafting good god sorry the Yankees have been drafting catchers for years now obviously you I mean we have a farm loaded with first round pick catchers so Hopefully one of them pans out and, you know, that's kind of my thought process behind that. If we're playing the long game anyway, yeah, then, then I can, I can see, see it. And if you asked me a couple months ago, would you trade Gary Sanders? I would and I would and I have said don't because he has no value. So I can see the argument that you would sell him now because sell Molly's hot type thing. So and I do like we do have good catchers in the farm. We have uh, what's his fucking name coming up that we just. We just took in the we first round Wells, from Arizona. Austin Wells, yeah. So, uh, moving on. JP Gallagher says, a trade for Marte, in parentheses, with an S. So, both Martes. Turns this team around and wins a World Series. You're buying or selling that? 100% sell. No, no shot. Now, I will say that 
and I will pat myself on the back as I usually do. I was on the Starlin Marte train early on, and now he's the talk of the town. Everybody's saying he will be a Yankee. So I just want to say and check the tape. That was a while ago that we called that, and he was my guy. Check the tape. I think it would be a good fit. I went and saw him in Miami. I went to the Marlins game, and I, he, dude, he's a good player. He's a great player. He does it all. He does all the little things. So I do think Marte would be a huge player that we could add. I think he'd be a good fit. Uh, I think Cattell Marte is also great. He plays center field, second base, all that. I think they would be both great fits. If we could get both of them, that'd be awesome. I'm hearing the Cattell Marte price tag is pretty fucking high. So I don't know if that's if that's true. I mean, right, oh, he's squarely in his prime and plays like three prime positions and yeah. is a good hitter. I mean, he does. As a switch hitter, game. too. If he was on a good team, he would be, you know, like borderline putting up MVP type stuff. So I'm not going to I'm going to I'm going to sell it for the reason that it wins the World Series, because I truly don't think I mean, just take a look at this team. We're not going to win the World Series. Things can go right and we could fall into one like we've talked about last episode. The Nationals just got hot at the right time. They're doing it again. We could be that team. We, we could steal a wild card spot. And I don't even want to say steal one. We could still get a wild card spot. And we, although the baseball reference odds that came out today, I'm not sure if you saw them. We have 16% chance to make the playoffs and a 1% chance to win the World Series. So, to make the playoffs? Yeah, to make the playoffs. Oh, that's so depressing. We were that like was minus the biggest. 1,000 to make the playoffs at the beginning of the year. Could you imagine putting a bet on that and being like, oh my God, absolute lock, throw the house on it, like literally the mortgage on that, because that's the only thing you would do to actually make money, and they put that down, and now they're homeless. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I just got this giant inheritance, you know, my great-grandpa passed away, here's $2 million, let, you know, I know I'm going to be an asshole and spend it, so let's just put it on something safe and obvious. And make $750 on $2 million invested. Yeah, you're just like, oh fuck, now here we are. They weren't listening to the the Sharps over at Action Network ad, so download the app, follow them. Yeah, Colin, just Colin and slick ads. Today. Colin and BJ, uh, good guys. Wednesday episode ad. Check those out. Those are actually a lot of fun. They so might extend uh, us on the spot with how slick you're being with those today. Mm-hmm. So uh, moving on to the next one, Torres will get options to Triple A. A lot of Torres ones. I feel and I feel that because a lot. It's he's been kind of the talk of the town in the last couple of weeks. And thank you, Jimmy Pelton, for for the uh, for the hot take. And I get it; it's a hot take. I don't think that Torres gets optioned. I think that's a very. I think Brian Hoke put it this way too. He says that would be the nuclear option, which I like the way he said that. And, and I do agree. I think that's a little ridiculous, especially considering he's starting to play well again. So, like I, I said, consider it well. He's got three bloop singles, like. I think optioning him is not something we can afford to do. No, no, no. Who it's are we going to bring well, up to play well, fucking no, well, anywhere? What's the alternative? That's what I mean. Because they're so averse to bringing up, which that's another. I You know what? We haven't used the gripe alert in a while. If you want to cue that up here, because I do have a gripe. Let me. Gripe alert. That has been a while. It has. So this would be the perfect time. Why are we so averse to bringing up the guys that are playing well? Like Trey Ambergy or Umbergy or whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah, I don't care if there's a 40-man roster issue because the 40 you have right now aren't fucking cutting it. Like, you need a center fielder and you go out and do all this bullshit today. You have an in-house option who's lighting the fucking 
world up and you won't give him a chance or you have park who's been just crazy good down there why not give some of these struggling superstars a break or you know anything like that i just don't get it if you're gonna get a replacement or you're gonna do a temporary solution why not try these guys that are working their ass off and putting up just otherworldly numbers in triple a why don't why don't you give them a shot what do you have to lose it's not like we're two games in out of first or we're two games ahead of first and you have to really hang on tight and bring out all the big guns to make sure you do it. We're struggling to even stay 500. Give these guys a fucking shot. Why not? I, I don't know why you don't do it over Ambergie or Clint over, over or park over Clint. I think that's no. obvious. I don't see why you don't do it over Clint. I don't see why parks not in over Tyler Wade. Like, well, doesn't park, play, that, doesn't park play the outfield? Or does he play infield? He's a shortstop. Oh, even better. Why isn't he get a fucking chance? Is he good defensively? Yeah, he's fine. Like, he's not he's fine. Like, well, from I don't know much, to be honest with you. As far as I know, he's, you know, just he's just the run of the mill shortstop defensively. I don't know for sure, but he's tearing the fucking cover off the ball. Yeah, I no, I agree. I, I think if that Tyler was, Wade played left field or right field or I think it was left field yesterday. Tyler fucking Wade played left field and you've got Trey Ambergie hitting like three forty in triple A right now. Yeah. So to the to the question, the original hot take that Torres should get option to triple A. No. Sell it. But I think other people should. I think Clint should. And I think Ambergie should be the first guy up, if not no, I think Ambergie's the one over Park, I think, because there's more of a need in the outfield than anything, and he's the one like he's doing better than Park is. But Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you just forget about our new superstars? Lecastro. Oh, I did forget the cat I mean, yeah, so we have a loaded outfield now with LeCastro and, and Le fucking Castro, and whoever the other guy is that we just got, so yeah, so uh, to scrap all that, I guess we'll just pretend we recorded that before the big news. Um, yeah. But if for some reason we needed some outfielders, Trey Ambergie, why are you sitting in Scranton? So moving on to the next one from Bombers Beat. Yankees will win the AL East, and I'm going to <laughs> sell this faster than anything. Can it be done? Sure, it could happen in some part of the multiverse if you're a marvel fan <laughs> it, it could happen uh will it happen and do i think it's gonna happen that's a no for me dog um no, dude, it could I, not happen it could not happen there's no it can it can happen it can it can, it can don't, definitely don't happen do this to yourself don't do this i yourself. do this to myself I, this is it. what there i do is, accept it there is a the only shot that this team has of getting into the postseason is via wild card which i'm not writing off completely it's a long shot but winning the East, no, just no. I mean, who who's going to come in and beat the Rays or the Red Sox? We have one pitcher right now, and he's not even playing well. Like, we have one pitcher, and we've got – well, the offense apparently is good again, but it doesn't fucking matter because every facet of the game, whenever one steps up, the other sinks to the bottom of the fucking Marianas Trench. This team is flawed. The what? Like I said, Marianas Trench. The fuck is that? It's the deepest part of the ocean, dude. How? Look it up. Yo, you're, scary. you're wearing a a, a, medicine, a school of medicine shirt, and you look all smart on me. I know. My friend goes there. Yeah, you me, didn't go it there. Makes me, it makes me feel good about myself. Also, I will say, this is probably my biggest claim to fame. <laughs> I got this as like a charity. Like, oh, yeah, because I kept bugging my friend about it. I was like, this is a pretty cool shirt. It'll make me look smart. 
And then he spilled a whole bottle of wine on the front, and I scrubbed my ass off the bar of Dove soap for like an hour the other day. Got it all out. So jokes on you, bitch. Jokes on you, student. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I don't selling no. it. I'm selling the, it. At least, at least, no. I have my eyes. I have my eyes dead set on a wild card spot, and I think we're good in wild cards. And I think that gives us enough time to figure it out. Until then, we may have we might have a bunch of new players in the team by then, including our boy Tim LeCastro, who will spearhead this team into the stratosphere. And yeah, so I, th- I think that's a sell on my part. But you know what I didn't even think about? What did you not we've think been, about? We've been just so hard trying to get a Diamondbacks outfielder. And this is what we got is Tim LeCastro. Yeah, we wanted to tell Marte. We wanted David Peralta. And I know it's just funny. To and we circle and they were like, nah, let's circle Tim LeCastro. Yeah. That's the guy just like, excuse me, David Peralta and Cattell Marte. You guys suck. Which honestly, this actually really bothers me because the fact that we made the deal for Tim LeCastro, I feel like all but writes off the other two because if we were going to make a deal with them for them, it would probably be done in the same deal, just one yeah. big monster deal. So I think this just told us that we are not going to get Cattell Marte or David Peralta. And that's really upsetting because I want to Cattell Marte. And I think maybe our eyes will be set on Starlin, Cash, uh, Starlin Marte then. And that makes me excited. But it, I feel like in my mind, do you, would you buy or sell that, that we are this all but writes off Cattell and David Peralta from being on the Yankees? I no, a hundred percent. It does like, or, it would have been done. It would have been done. Flip side of that. I'll do the devil's advocate or the positive side. I guess it's not really devil's advocate. If it's the positive side, maybe this opens trade talks with the diamondbacks. Now they're more willing to listen. Now that we've done business. I don't think that's the case. I don't know what we're doing. And this just shows me how incompetent that the, the organization is. Why are you trading pitchers away to grab more like, back end of their prime if you want to call it that uh below average outfielders like we have a stockpile of below average major league talent just sitting in triple a our triple a rosters just got to be a washed out major league team at this point we got dietrich and like castro and this other i forgot fucking, about dietrich exactly we got this other asshole from the rays and now you know we've got the guy from the indians greg allen or whatever his fucking name is we're just stockpiling below average major league outfielders for what fucking reason? I don't know, man. Just what are you doing? We're trading pitchers away when our pitching blows for more below average outfielders. It's literally just a move. I, that guy's kind of onto it, Steven. You know what? You're, this is a move just to say, hey, we made a move. There's your change. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Fuck you guys. God damn, man. All right, moving on to the next one. This is the last one for the hot. None of the hot or not. I get my segments mixed up. This is rounding third. Um, last one comes from John Lib 7 The new pitching crackdown will blow up in the MLB's face slash man, Rob Manfred's face. I don't think that's a hot take. It's already happened. Yeah, it's I an think... embarrassment on the game. It's a fucking black mark on the game. It's terrible. Yeah. No, I, I... You got grown men getting naked on the mound. Like, what do you... What? what? No, yeah, that's that's a easy easy buy for me. So let's get into the voicemails. We already started with one voicemail, but there were a few others that I wanted to get to. So if you want to call in, leave us a voicemail, 914-469-2168. The first one I wanted to hit was from Bridgeport, Connecticut, and it is this one right here. So bad right now, I had actually considered giving... Mariano Rivera, 
a blowjob to completion just to come back for one game. So we missed the beginning of that one. So he, he said something about it was about Chapman. So Chapman's so bad right now. We missed the beginning part. It just started a little bit. But yeah, no, Chapman's play, pitching fucking bad. We talked about that. I just thought that was really funny. So I wanted to start us off with that one. Let's play it again. Now, I had actually considered giving Mariano Rivera <laughs> a blowjob to completion just to come back for one game. Now, whoever called in, you didn't leave your name or where you're from. The caller ID says from Bridgeport. So thank you to Bridgeport Anonymous. I want to know who your name is, and they want you to DM us because that was really funny. You made me laugh. So, uh, and I like how, you know what? Hats off to you for putting in two completion on there. That's yeah. a very important distinct. distinct that is very uh, important. Uh, yeah, whatever the fuck that word is. Uh, next one comes from Smithtown, New York, and I guess we'll... That was the word I was looking for. What? Sorry. Nothing. I was just... I forgot how to speak for a second. I finally caught my word, but... My name's sorry. Colin from, uh, Colin from San Diego. I'm born and raised in New York. Luke, I actually, uh, messaged you on Instagram talking hella shit all the time. Yes, you did. I, think I, I sent you a long rant last night at probably three in the morning, New York time. Telling you, man, this team needs to fucking change. They need to start. They got to get rid of Chapman. They got to get rid of fucking Britain. They, they they need to just dismantle right there alone is thirty million dollars. I think Britain makes fourteen million. Chapman making eighteen next year. Those fucking guys are trash, man. I mean, I this team needs to needs to completely break itself down completely. Um, Judge has got to go. Uh, what, are, what are we realistically realistically going to see another one or two years of him being able to stay fucking healthy? Sanchez, I'm not buying it. I mean, his trade stock's probably the highest since, what, 2016. He's got to fucking go. Uh, you know, really, the only two that I would even consider even keeping would be Gio and, and DJ, because uh, those are and maybe Luke Floyd, because that's the kind of attitude that we need on the fucking ball field if we need to win. You know, Judge and uh, John Carl, they're supposed to be the leaders, but they're fucking soft, man. They're, it's just not in their blood. You know? Um, I was listening to another podcast and they said, like, look at look at the Boston Red Sox. They traded Mookie Betts two years ago. And now all of a sudden they're a first place fucking team. And I, I think we, that's what we need to do. We need to get rid of, uh, you know, the top guys and rebuild completely. We missed our window in 2017, 2018. I think it's past. You know, we got cheated out of probably a World Series win, probably both those years uh, by the Astros. But. Now it's passed, and, uh, you know, these guys walk around acting like they're World Series champions, but they ain't got shit to their fucking name. I agree, man, and thank you. Appreciate the call. Um, I don't know about selling everybody. I just can't get behind that right now. I just I, I still have a little faith in this team because if you sell, then it's like, okay, now what do we do for the rest of the year? So, like, there's no fun in that. So that's where I'm at with the selling of pieces, selling Chapman, selling Gary. We talked about selling Gary a little bit and uh, DJ, all that. I just can't get behind the selling right now. That's just no uh, fun. Like, why? I don't want to clean house. Like, I don't want to sell everyone, but I get where retooling. You're if yeah, if you're meddling through and you're clearly not going to make the playoffs, and you know what? Maybe, maybe we get someone exciting for fucking once. You know what? Like the. Yeah, we don't have a point to watch it playoffs-wise, but maybe you get somebody like a Jazz Chisholm where you actually, even on a shitty team, you still want to watch them because they're happy to be there. Big Everybody Jazz Chisholm like guy. Fucking miserable, man. So, yeah, no, I get it. I'm I'm down with selling. Maybe not 
cleaning house, like everybody from top to bottom. I don't think we could if we wanted to, because who the fuck wants Clint Frazier and stuff like that? But no, yeah, no, I'm cool with that. Moving on to the next call right here from Los Angeles. Josh from Winslow, Arizona. Arizona. Just the number you, says I it. have no idea what we just watched, but hear me out on something. Back in 2012, the Los Angeles Kings, the hockey team, they were out of the playoffs. They weren't weren't in it at all. About halfway through the season, they fired their head coach, got a new guy in, Daryl Sutter, and he led them to their first ever Stanley Cup championship. Not saying that they change the head coach that's going to happen but it's an interesting thought and uh, maybe it's something that would get these guys going huge fan guys keep up the good work so if that came before the press conference and i didn't hear how steinbrenner with his just completely out of touch out of tune shit that he just spews every like six months when he has to i would agree but there's clearly no personnel changes coming I don't think there's any one thing that can spark this team right now. Like, I don't think that they have that mid-season turnaround in them. Because not only do you have to turn it around on our end, you have to also bank on the Red Sox, the Rays, and the Blue Jays sucking. Yeah. No, I agree. And, I mean, I I, I know it worked for for the hockey team for, uh, what was it? For the LA Kings. Kings. Yeah, the LA Kings. I don't know. I just can't see it doing anything but bad. Like, you just put your team in a worse spot. I do want somebody fired. I do want things to happen. I think Boone... And you know what? Yeah, I think I think we should fire Boone right now. I was in the camp that, like, firing him isn't going to make us better this year. But, like, it's not going to change anything because Boone doesn't make decisions. I really, really think it's time for Cashman to go. And that's... I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, I do think... Something, dude. Something's got to change. Whether it's, I hit a scary realization today that Cashman is never going with Hal here. That that struck me today when I was listening to Michael K talk, and they were just talking about his blind loyalty to him, and just listening to how out of touch Steinbrenner is. Like I, that kind of hit me, and it hit home. I'm scared. I are don't we think Cashman's ever going anywhere? Are we in the new Wilpon type situation? He's not. He isn't saying. He, he says he want. He isn't ruled out going over the luxury tax. Like the Mets just got out of the Wilpon situation. They got a good owner who wants to spend money, and they're they're going. They're doing it. They did it, and whether it worked out or not with Lindor it remains to be seen. We'll find out soon. They're in first place. They're in first place right now, and it, it's dude. I think we it's may be in a situation like that because everybody has been th- like they hear the Steinbrenner name and they're like, oh. George spent money and he went out and did the thing and he really cared about winning and all that. And you see all the interviews where he freaked out and he was like, I hate losing all that stuff. And then you look at this guy, Hal, and he's the fucking polar opposite. And I think we might be in a fucking Wilpon situation. I think we won't be great again until he's fucking gone. And like you said, I don't think Cashman will go. Sorry, I was going to say the thing with Cohen is, you know, it's it's not just the spending the money. It's having your guys backs. It's the it's everything. Steinbrenner clearly doesn't care or know what's going on. He just blamed his players and just shit on them and took zero responsibility. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'm upset, but it's on the players. Like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Steve Cohen's out here, right or wrong, love or hate the guy. Yeah, he's done some shady shit in his life, and you know what? That's not for me to decide, but. He's on Twitter backing up his guys. He's, you know, everything he can do, 
he clearly loves the Mets and he loves what he's doing. Hal Steinbrenner doesn't even know what fucking state the Yankees play in. Sorry to interrupt you. I just, man, that pissed me off. No, I, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Let's move on to the next call. John Retort from Stanford. Kevin, uh, for listening. What's up? Um, I'm sure plenty of these messages are going to be people calling in crazy pissed off, especially after last night's game. But honestly, um, I know I'm not even surprised. I know plenty of fans aren't. I, it's sad that this is what we've grown accustomed to. Um, but I just want to know what you guys think is the, like the root of the issue. I mean, obviously it's easy to blame the manager, especially lately with the way Boone's been, you know, acting or not acting, I guess. But do you guys think it's a player issue, manager, or even higher up? Like, where does it begin and where do we end it? Right. Did he so, say he's from Stanford? Stanford, yeah. Like yeah. the university? No, Connecticut, idiot. Uh, I was going to say, damn, good. congrats on the big brain, man. But, I mean, he might, still, he might still have a big brain. Don't call him out for that yet. I'm not calling him out for having a bad brain. I'm just saying, man. No, I mean, I mean thank you for the call. Appreciate the call. Um, but, yeah, we, what's the root of the problem? We just talked about it a lot. Um, I, I, I put this call down. Great call. Appreciate it. And I wish I would have played it before we kind of went on that tangent and talked about it. So just to reiterate like, for your call, it's just like, yeah, the root of the problem is the management. It's not, it is the players, but here's why it's, the, it's like we said, just to summarize, um, dude, it's the management and the management put together these players. And that's why this situation is an issue. They're both issues. The players get hurt too frequently because that's the players they are. It's not just, it's not just random chance that they get hurt every year. It's that's the, players that we have on the team and that is caused by the people that are pulling the strings so that is the root of the problem and yeah nope i'm with you 100 percent. so well uh, that was it for the voicemails for today this is a little bit of a longer episode that was about an hour ish for us talking about stuff i liked the rounding third let us know if you guys liked it too we'll continue to do that on the friday episodes Hope you guys are enjoying your Friday or Thursday if you're watching live along with the YouTube. After this episode, we're about to kick it to our interview. No, it wasn't an interview. It was a series preview with uh, Giraffe Neck Mark, Mark Luino. He is a big-time YouTuber. He's really good content, just MLB content, but he's also a big Mets fan, has a Mets podcast, so that should be fun. Turning the page from this bullshit game and blow-up, so let's move it right along to the... Mets preview. Hope you guys enjoy it. All right. This is the second part of the episode. We are doing a Mets preview podcast. Obviously, we got the Mets series coming up tomorrow. Well, by the time you're listening to this, it's today. We got a special guest today, Giraffe Neck Mark, Mark Luino. I think that's how you pronounce it, but you know, you can correct me about that part. But big time YouTuber. I've been following along for your content for a very long time now. I really like your stuff. Honestly, might start a YouTube channel of my own, so we might talk after a little bit about that. But where can the people find you, Mark? Yeah, uh, Giraffe Neck Mark everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, obviously the YouTube channel as well. That's where you can find me nice and easy, and it's Mark with a C, the only way to spell it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you also started your own Mets podcast, too, so I thought this would be fun because you're already into the podcast game. So we thought this would be a little bit of a... We're going to do this for... The idea was to do this for all of the teams leading up to every series this season, but... That's a lot of people that we had to reach out to, and that's a lot of you know scheduling. We have to do our own podcast, whatever. So we thought the big ones like Mets, Red Sox would be fun to do. So we'd love to kick this off, and it's pretty fun that we both kind of are limping into this series. I, I'm just happy that you guys 
didn't come off a 20 to 2 win and we came off the most horrible loss of the last four years i'd say i don't know if you'd say the same chandler but that one fucking sucked i think like statistically speaking i was reading an article this morning it was the worst loss they've had since the year 2000 (laughs) and like the like you know in the ninth inning whatever and then one of the worst there's another stat i don't remember what it was i think it was the seven run stat i think that was the first one since like 1986 so we're we're in good shape right now yeah but like i said i'm glad at least you guys i mean you guys lost three out of the last four this would be an entirely different episode had you guys been on a tear like you have been doing very well this season so i'd like to get your take on like the state of the mets this season kind of in general to start it off what can yankees fans expect to see like the casual yankee fan who's listening to this may not know exactly what's going on with the mets they may just think the mets are still the mets and like dead last in the, in the NLE. so give us a little taste of what we can expect yeah we're definitely not the same old mets i mean the will pond cloud has been lifted over this team and now we got steve cohen there so we've got like you know good vibes good juju as i like to say a lot of good problems but what you can expect with this Mets team is like we're going to pitch extremely well. The pitching has clearly been what saved this entire season because while we've had our injuries on the offensive side and even now a little bit on the pitching side, the pitching has stayed pretty consistent up until last night. That was the first like real blow up that we've had of the season. The pitching's nasty. You know, DeGrom, Stroman, uh, Taiwan Walker's been a savior this year. Those guys are really great. And the bullpen's been awesome. Big shout out to Jeremy Hefner, our pitching coach, changed everything for us. We just don't score a lot of runs. Even with our guys coming back and being healthy, this team has an issue scoring runs. I don't necessarily know why. All the numbers tell us that we should be better than what we are offensively, but it's just not happening right now. So it's like the Mets play very similar baseball right now to one of your guys' rivals in the Tampa Bay Rays, where it's like one-run games, squeezing them out, just barely winning. So I have a question. Are you worried about them going forward? Because right now they have a minus two run differential and they're in first place, but you also have the surging nationals behind them who can't lose. And Schwarber apparently turned into Barry Bonds. So (laughs) what do you, what are you thinking there? Are you worried that the peripheral numbers might catch up and the performance might slack? Are we still feeling confident? No, I still feel confident. I think like if you told me that this would be the Mets record going into the all-star break, I think this is the first time since like 2007 we're going to finish with an above 500 record going into the all-star break so I would feel pretty good about that like the thing with me and the Mets is that I think as bad as we're playing right now we've been playing bad baseball essentially for an entire for the most of the season not scoring runs we had a triple-a lineup going for like basically a month and we still remain in first place throughout that entire time so now with our guys coming back like McNeil can't struggle like this Lindor can't continue to struggle Conforto, all these guys can't continue to be having their worst seasons without at least getting a little bit better. I don't know. I'm not concerned, but I'm definitely keeping more of an eye on it than I thought I would be. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the the injury stuff, and we've been dealing with that for the past two or three years. So you're not you're preaching to the choir here in terms of that, and with the offensive production stuff, the expected stuff you said for the Mets should be higher, and you know. I don't know. I haven't taken a look at really the expected for the entire season for the Yankees, but I mean, you expected, I expected, you know, say your metrics aside, this team on paper to do a lot better offensively. And I think the whole world did. That's why they were so heavily, you know, favored or at least up there in terms of the World Series before the season started. If you ask us now, the sky is falling. So we're not really quite there right now. But like, I think, and I think we were a little bit similar to you guys as well in the beginning of the year when the Yankees pitching was, you know, all all league and now obviously that tapered off a little bit hopefully we get you know Kluber back and and Seve back soon they're saying like September but you know 
The thing with our know. rotation, though, we didn't have Stroman and DeGrom and all those out there. We were relying on, you know, Jordan Montgomery to come out there and do that. Who has been okay this year. So yeah, Okay, exactly. He's been okay. Being okay isn't a good way to, you know, know. go forward when you're I think if he was you like your your legitimate number 5, you'd be okay with that. But like yeah. the fact that you're like relying on like legitimate innings from this guy. I mean, I love Montgomery. He's a South Carolina Gamecock just like myself, but and never in my life did I think he'd be trying to be a major innings guy for the Yankees. Yeah. No. No, no he's he, that's exactly what he is. He's a five starter. We shouldn't be relying on him to put up Degrom like numbers to win baseball games. Speaking of Degrom, I mean, he's coming off his for, for well. Before I get to that, we were expecting, and I was mentioning it to you before. Like I was, we were all projecting like a couple weeks out. So obviously, a lot of things were subject to change. I was really hoping they would do Degrom Cole, and you know, Degrom Cole has been you know slacking a little bit since the sticky stuff. Who knows what's going on there and. DeGrom is coming off his first start in the last like six games where he gave up some runs. So he's a little human there. So who knows what's going on with him? Maybe he had some sticky stuff. I don't know. Now, I'm not going to point any fingers like Josh Donaldson, but I mean, he's looking like, I don't know. No, I'm not worried about him, but I really wish they, I figured they, they could have figured something out in terms of that matchup, like move some pieces around, give the people what they want to see. I think we play one more time this season. So maybe that happens then. A little bit closer to the playoffs, so that could be a lot. That could be a big, pretty big charged matchup there. But I really wish they could get that going. But yeah, in terms of the pitching, like, what are you, are you worried about, Cole or Degrom in terms of sticky stuff? No, I like I like to bust Garrett Cole's balls, of course, about the sticky yeah. stuff because, like, as a Mets fan and like one of my main sticks is like giving it to Yankee fans. Like, of course, it's great, but I'm still like very confident Garrett Cole's a sick pitcher, the second best in baseball. Like, I don't think that's going to change because of the sticky stuff, especially if everyone was really using it. It should be like a non like non factor at this point because everyone's losing it. But I mean, with the Grom, it's more so right now. Like, he looked human because he was like coming off of like some weird injury starts where he didn't necessarily go full games and he's been having minor tweaks here and there. So once he's back to full health, which is another reason why like this DeGrom Cole thing isn't happening is because they wanted to keep him on like his regular rest. He's a dude who's very like regimented and keeps on his schedule. So they didn't want to change anything. I get it. I I also wish I saw DeGrom Cole though this weekend because that's the matchup everybody's been waiting for. Yeah. You know, I was My thinking, next question for you was going to be, is it time to start the rumor that DeGrom's washed now that he gave up <laughs> two whole runs in one game? Yeah, is- I mean, like, I think it's with DeGrom, you know, washed is definitely a possibility there. A couple runs. I mean, who would have thought that this dude who came from seemingly another planet could even give up a couple runs and this would be like a huge storyline? I think ESPN, like, put up something that, like, DeGrom struggled. And then you look at his lines like, well, he still struck out five and gave up two and six. Like, yeah, that's not I get, I guess that's struggling, but he's, he's so unbelievably good. Like I, I say it all the time, like on our podcast, he's one of the best pitchers I've ever watched. And I think like when it's all said and done, we're going to be talking about like, it's like a Kofax type era where he doesn't have all the counting numbers that some of the greats will have. But when you look at like an actual prime, he's going to be up there with some of the best. No, we were talking about that on our podcast, too, because we we briefly touched upon the Cole uh, DeGrom debate. It's not much of a debate, but we were just having fun with it. It was a little earlier in the season when Cole was actually just like before the sticky shit happened. And we we're like, you know, obviously DeGrom is the better pitcher. That's an, that's a given. But I think it's it's always been that it, it's not even close. And I think I was just trying to put a little bit of respect on Cole's name at that time. It's like it's a little bit. It's not still not close, but it's closer than people are giving Cole credit for. So I wanted to give him a little credit there. 
But did yeah. I see correctly that that was the first time this year that Degrom's given up two runs? I think so. Um, and he's, also, he's, he's, he's like technically like given up that, two runs, but with uh, errors. Yeah, I was gonna say I'd like to point out now his RBIs is now tied with his earned runs. So, <laughs> it's so crazy. A stat to watch. If he finishes with more RBIs hit than given up by the end of the year, I, that, I, I don't think that has ever been done before. I'd like to look that up, but I doubt that's ever been done before. I don't think yeah, I, we're talking I mean, about Otani. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he doesn't count, but I was, we're talking about Otani being a two-way player. Maybe we should start talking about DeGrom being a two-way player. Who knows? He could be the next unicorn. Yeah, and, and Otani sucks, too, by the way. I was going to say, is he even a two-way <laughs> player anymore? No, I think the MVP conversation is out the window now from yesterday. Who I cares about what happened? Him to just a DH after yesterday. Like, I'm just saying. We figured him out. Guys did smack him around quite a bit yesterday. Yeah. And the sad thing is we had like two hits. The rest were just walks. But <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realize he was that. I mean, who, who can point fingers now? Chapman walked the entire bases loaded and then gave up a grand slam. So I don't really... I don't know. I was taking a look at the rest of the pitching matchups for this for the series upcoming. Obviously, was really hoping it would be Cole DeGrom, like I said. But the first game is going to be Tijuan Walker, Taiwan Walker, whatever it is, versus Garrett Cole. Still a good matchup there. I mean, Tijuan Walker, low-key, is having a little bit of an all-star season. Is that fair to say? I mean, he's, he's 6-3 and three with a two three eight ERA. What are your thoughts on Tijuan Walker? Yeah, I've been pushing for Taiwan to be an all-star this year. Um, me, me and James have been like big, big Taiwan guys. He's our day man. He's a little bit of a bulldog out there. He's going to give you a clean box score. It's going to be a little bit of an adventure sometimes. Like he'll lose it, but that's expected for a guy coming off of like major surgeries. Like he has not really pitching much recently, but he's been really way better than we expected. Like, you know, we thought we were going to get Bauer going into this offseason. We got Taiwan, so people were a little disappointed. But then Taiwan comes out here and is shoving, and it kind of puts all those like doubts and stuff to the side. Is he going to be able to be a two three eight pitcher the entire season? I doubt it. That's just not really the kind of guy he is. But he is giving us some super valuable innings, and he he's given us a chance to really win every single game he goes out there. I have yeah. a one A and a one B to that. One, um, how crazy is it that that was Taiwan Walker's only offer? That just blew my mind because he's been solid for a long time. He was never like you know. I think this would be his first All Star game. He's never been you know an ace, but he's been really good. And then one B to that. Where was like, oh, what was Metland like for the like 15 and a half minutes that Trevor Bauer was a Met? Yeah, um, I was getting a haircut at the time. I had the, the lady who like cuts my hair was over and I like my phone buzz because, of course, you know, Bob Nightingale tweeted out yeah. Bauer to the Mets. And I'm like, oh, my God, you need to stop. And I like ran inside and I was like, tell my dad, I was like, we got Bauer. We got him. Like, oh, my <laughs> God, we got him. And like, I'm like somewhat friendly with the guy. So like. At the time, I was like, oh, my, I'm going to shoot him a text. Like, it's done. It's over. Let's do it. Of course, Bob Nightingale was wrong. and As he usually is. <laughs> as he usually is, because that guy sucks. But, <laughs> I mean, those 15 minutes were like, I was like hyperventilating. I was like, oh, my God, this is it. We're doing it. Steve Cohen, he, he's here. <laughs> yeah, and then he did that whole thing with the, the t- didn't he do the T-shirt thing in his bio? I actually was, I was, that's so crazy that people found that so quick. Cause wasn't that up for like a couple minutes? And apparently it was you know, his, his team misprinted. I don't know how you misprint. That's not a misprint. That was on purpose, but yeah, from what he told me, like in my interview with him the day he signed, he, he claimed he didn't know anything about it, that he was like very much like in the weeds of like what team he was going to pick. We've heard things now, you know, through the months afterwards that 
it was definitely planned. Absolutely. Like he, they're, they're no idiots over there. They're really good at marketing. They're really good at starting buzz. And Trevor Bauer was the only person being talked about in baseball world for about 24 hours. So yeah. no, that's absolutely obvious that that was on purpose. And yeah. So, in t- but in terms of the other big moves this offseason, you guys obviously land Lindor. Lindor is a, a huge contract. He comes out and I actually bought his rookie card before he, I'm, I'm a lot into, into cards. I bought his rookie card before the season because, you know, if he were to win a World Series, it's similar to the Durant situation. Like he's coming from little smaller towns and stuff, you know, Golden State, whatever. But like Oakland, OKC, and stuff. If he gets a championship in New York in a big market, that would shoot up his like career resume. So I was like, okay, Lindor's been in Cleveland for a while, kind of small market. If he comes here to the Mets, who now have a good owner, and I had a little bit of hopes that they could do it, and it would be really fun. And still. You know, maybe more from your perspective, you guys have more of a chance right now for the Subway Series, World Series, but I'm still still hoping for that. I don't think that's going to happen for us. Maybe things change, but for Lindor, I flipped his card before the season even started, and then he just absolutely tanked as soon as the season started. But I, he is picking up a little bit now, so in terms of the Lindor contract, are you still okay with that? Are you still happy with it? I mean, I, I assumed you'd be perfectly happy with that. Yeah, I think like... I would be so hypocritical if I was freaking out right now. Like all I've ever wanted is the Mets to spend money. Cohen comes in, trades for Lindor one, and then gives him a big contract, which I think he very much deserves. I know there's a lot of people like in the Lindor is not that good camp. And this year is not helping because he is struggling. But if you look at what he did in like that three year span, and I mean, he doubles close to hundred RBIs with like 850 OPS and some of the best defense at shortstop. He is one of the best shortstops in the game. He's struggling right now. That's expected when you come to a new team and a new league facing pitchers that he's legitimately never seen. Like a lot of the guys that he's seen this year is for the first time. So yes, I'm giving him every excuse possible, but also it's because he is too good to be this kind of player. So yeah. I'm not worried. It's It just sucks that it's happening. Yeah, it's similar. On the flip side of that, though, look at what the, uh, the shortstop situation's been like, you know, for the Mets over the last, I don't know, 10, since Jose Reyes, basically. I mean, you, there's not been shit there. So, I mean... If I was a Mets fan and you have this new hotshot owner, everything like that, I would be willing to overpay, even if I don't think it's overpaying. I think Lindor is still one of the best in the game. But even if that was the case, I'd be willing to overpay to get a household name like that in there. Because at the end of the day, he's still going to give you gold glove defense. He's a switch hitter. He gets on base. Like, you know, there are plenty of good things there. And he is that name brand that the Mets have been lacking at shortstop for 10 years yeah he is doing the things that he's been doing always it's just he's not getting the outcomes and that's kind of been like the whole Mets season offensively and one thing that he's doing that's great this year is he's walking more than he ever has he's striking out less so he's actually becoming like a better more disciplined player at the plate he's just not getting the outcomes because he's popping up a few more balls than you know hitting line drives but with this Mets team I mean it's kind of like what you guys have with the Yankees over there it's not my money, so spend yeah. it. Spend all the money in the world. I don't care. Give me a team that on paper can win, and then they'll go out there and hopefully get the job done. Yeah, I mean, we've been saying that for the longest time, and Hal is apparently broke, and he's calling broke, and especially with the COVID season and all that. He's like, oh, we lost so much money. He's like, well, you're the most equipped to make it back as soon as the fans are let back in the stadium. Maybe not now because we're not selling out crowds because we fucking suck. Like, I live 10 minutes from the stadium in, in, in New York City, and I I – would go to the game today, would go to the game all these days. And I'm just not because it's just not fun to watch. I'm not going to give them my money. You know, Hal's addressing the team in like five minutes. So we'll take a listen to that after. Hopefully he sells the team in that meeting. But (laughs) I don't know. I mean, 
like you said, it's not my money. I think hopefully in this meeting, we're hoping to hear him say like, hey, we're announcing that we're fucking trading for store. We're doing all this because, again, the luxury tax is such a weird thing to me. Like you guys now are in that camp too. like who the fuck cares? Like teams do it all the time. The Dodgers are doing it right now. They don't give a fuck. Obviously, you know, the Bauer signing may be all for not right now because the off the field stuff, who knows? But, you know, when another team in the league is going over the luxury tax and trying to go and do the damn thing. You can't just sit back and not do it. They're pressuring you guys, other competitors and other contenders to go and match them. So like in that case, you can't just sit down and and cry poor anymore, especially when you're the fucking New York Yankees or the New York Mets too, who I had never understood why they never went over the luxury tax too. I know it's the Will Ponds thing. Maybe it was the Ponzi scheme of Bernie Madoff. I don't know. Maybe it's Bobby Vanilla. Happy Bobby Vanilla Day, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So, so we're going to celebrate that way past 2035. So that's going to be just a national holiday in New York. But man, I don't know. I, I really want the Yankees to go after other people. And I don't want to make this about like, oh, what do you think? Because I know you're an MLB guy too, not just a Mets guy. But like, do you, here, I'll ask that question. Do you actually think the Yankees are going to go out and make some moves? As well yes. as the Mets. You can do the Mets too. Yeah, I think the Yankees have to. Like Cashman's job is on the line. I just like in my video that I dropped yesterday, I someone like asked me like, "Are Boone and Cashman like going to get fired?" And I said, "The way it's going, yes, because Cashman's gone. If they don't at least make the World Series, and they might need to win it for him to stay around, they at least got to put up a good showing. I would think he's been given so much time. It's been over ten years since that last World Series. I don't know how much more time you can give this guy, especially like." the John Carlo trade is really killing you guys right yeah. now. And that's going to be like the big piece that stops you from making moves. It's ridiculous. But if he's gone, Boone's gone. So I think they have a story. That's the guy that you got to want. If you're a Yankee fan, it's got to be Trevor story. And if not, it's like Max Scherzer. That's the other dude, but the nationals might not trade him now. So yeah, since they're starting to surge right now, I mean, story makes so much sense, considering the Glaber Torres situation and whatever the hell's going on with him. I'm not, worried about him for the future. I am worried about him as a shortstop, which makes total sense why you would get Trevor Story. I don't know what the ripple effects would be. Maybe Glaber's in that trade because if you do get him, you push Glaber a second, whereas DJ go, because Voight's there, Gio's a third. So it's a whole big situation. I mean, it's a champagne problem because you have Trevor Story, so who cares? You'll figure it out later, but I don't know. Who do you think the Mets are going to go after? I think the Mets are going to be like very aggressive on the pitching market. Um, some of the guys that like have been coming up as like Jose Barrios guy from the twins. I would love to see them go after bad for a little bit. No, I'm not a huge Jose Barrios guy. That's a name that gets floated around. The thing I don't like about Jose Barrios is that we've been like waiting for this breakout for him. It feels like every single year and he just hasn't done it. The one thing is that we got Jeremy Hefner and he seems to get the best out of everybody. And I know he was in Minnesota with Barrios. So maybe it's just like a little tweak that he has to make and we can push him forward. I also don't really know if he's available. Um, another guy, like I would love to see him go after some of the Reds pitchers, like a Sonny Gray or a Luis Castillo, or even like a Tyler Maley. but the Reds are also weirdly competing too. We're in this weird, like stretch right now where all the teams that you thought were going to be trading yeah. pitchers are starting to play good baseball again. So the market's getting really, really small, which means you're going to have to give up a lot. And I'm not interested in giving up one of like our three top prospects right now for like a rental as a cautionary kind of a tale. Time. I would say Sonny Gray may not be the answer. In New York, <laughs> as that just a listen, cautionary. That's, that's on Rothschild. I feel like though. that is He's on Rothschild. Of trading for a pitcher, you guys kind of have the resurgence of Edwin Diaz this year. How, I'm sure that's got to feel nice after he almost got booed out of the state in New York <laughs> the last couple of years. 
Dude, I couldn't watch Edwin Diaz pitch last year. Like yeah. when he would come on the screen, I would get out of the room. I'd put it on loud. I'd listen, but I would not <laughs> watch. I physically could not see what was happening. He made me sick to my stomach. But he had a good year last year. And yeah. this year, I mean, he's been lights out in safe situations. If the game's not a safe situation, he seemingly has no idea what to do. But like the trumpets, I don't know what it is. He gets he used to have that. the yips or what? Like he was so good in Seattle. And then he came over there and he just he just imploded for a year. And I mean, he's always had the stuff. He just I don't know what happened. He, I mean, if you look at his 2019 season, which was like just a nightmare. His command was pretty terrible. And he's a dude whose mechanics are not very clean. He's all herky jerky. He's all over the place. And if one thing is going to be wrong, it's going to screw up everything. So like he was a guy who like very much needed his slider to work in order for his fastball to be effective. And Jeremy Hefner's fixed that. Like his mechanics are a little more clean now, a little more consistent. He's throwing that slider a lot more, like especially like he started throwing it now to start the count, which is something he didn't really do a lot in 2019. So he's changing the kind of pitcher that he is, and he's just attacking more and hitting his spots. The stuff, like you said, has always been great. He just needed that command, and it looks like he's been able to harness that command a little bit better this year. I know you're a big MLB The Show guy, too. I mean, coming off that season when he had the, the finest card, that card was disgusting. And you Sick. and after getting that card, and then he goes straight to the Mets, and like, wow, they really actually got their guy. This guy's going to be fucking... There's no way he's bad. And then he literally ends up being the, probably one of the worst closers we've ever seen for a year. It's it's no secret why he figured it out. Like he actually does have the stuff, like we said. But in in terms, I'm of- actually curious about uh, Noah Syndergaard's injury. But before that, I kind of want to know. You know, there was that rumor flying around for like it seems like every summer for two or three years it happened of Syndergaard for Gary Sanchez. Before <laughs> you guys got McCann and everything like that, I'm sure you saw it. What what would your reaction been to that had that came to fruition? Yeah, so I know Gary's playing well now, but I'm. Just not a believer in Gary. I like very much think like I I like I know he can hit. I just don't know if he's going to be able to do it over an entire season, which I, you know, that's still up for debate, I guess. I hate his catching. I think he stinks (laughs) behind the plate. I don't think that's a secret. I think everyone thinks that, but he's got a hit now trading for Noah Syndergaard when that those rumors were coming up. I like I think I went live on Twitter might have been the only time I'd ever gone live on Twitter because it was like a 1 a.m. tweet from some beat writer who put it out. I was like, oh, shit, it might be happening like it might be happening right now. I need to capture this. I was sweating. I was mad. I was not happy. I'm a big Noah guy as I should be like he was great for us. Injuries aside, he's he's a horse. So trading him for Gary just felt like trading our guy at his lowest for a guy who was at his highest. And I, I hate that. <laughs> My little brother's in his uh, first full year of minor league baseball. Uh, guards one rehab start. He had to face him. Was like, <laughs> Dude, holy shit. I was like, yeah. Yeah. He throws pretty hard. Yeah. Speaking of rehab starts too, like when they, when they're both doing their rehab, like I remember that what, I don't know what team that was, but they kept tweeting. Like, it's not fair. They kind of like, kept it going they'd like beat a dead horse they're like we get it you're facing jacob Degrom. it's cool but like he was just mowing people down it's just yeah, unbelievable de grob does it against major leaguers yeah. and he's facing like guys who are 18 and 19 who just got drafted <laughs> and you're like come on man like i'm trying to get called up like you're screwing up my numbers that's three k's on the day for me yeah you're making me scared to even step in the box after that I, oh, speaking back on Cindergard, is he coming back this year i haven't even looked up anything to do with him i haven't we haven't seen Cindergard pitch for what feels like since like the World Series when you guys were in it, I just uh, I, I you obviously probably has been there since, but you know I haven't seen Syndergaard, who is like this big name that everybody you know Thor is like a big icon in in Mets land. Like, are we gonna see him pitch? 
Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I, I obviously want him back because he really does help out this team. And we did think starting pitching was going to be a, be a problem, and it hasn't been yet. But at some point, we do need him. He was scheduled to come back right around the All-Star break. And then he got a setback. He felt some, like, I guess, soreness in his elbow, which, of course, coming back from Tommy John, that's a big red flag, sign the alarms. So they you know, took the MRI or whatever, and it was just inflammation. It wasn't an issue, but they basically, like, stopped him, stopped everything. So it looks like September earliest is going to be when he can come back it sounds like if he's not ready he's just going to be shut down which is a weird thing for us Mets fans because he's coming up on a contract you know very soon here it's going to make him cheaper so like as long as we don't need him I guess it kind of plays to our benefit that he's not going to pitch because if he comes out and is throwing 100 and is pitching well someone's going to throw a lot of money at him yeah if he doesn't throw a pitch that's the risk he's going to take and he'll probably just stay with the Mets I don't know, man. It's so tough. I like, I love Noah, but these injuries, it's, it's getting concerning. He's just so big and strong. You, you guys seen it with judge and Stanton, like these dudes, sometimes it's not sustainable. Yeah. And he's very similar to what it feels like to Luis Severino for us. Like he is coming back, he's battling back and he's looking great this year specifically too. And then he just gets another injury. It's like, come on, man, what the fuck? And now he's coming back again, allegedly in September and there was like an interview yesterday. I, I'm sure you saw Chandler. That he was talking to like Meredith or something. There's like, were you scared for the season to be over? He like genuinely, he's like, yes, I was scared. Like he, he sounded like a little kid who was just scared. Like enough of this bullshit. Like why am I getting hurt like this? And you know, if he comes back in September, I think he's in the exact same boat. Like I, in, in terms of me assuming what's going to happen for the Yankees, I don't expect him to come back. And if he does, then like that's just icing on the cake. Same with Kluber, who I hope, I mean, with that Kluber contract, I'm still happy about it. He got the no hitter, which feels like it was like three seasons ago. But <laughs> I mean, I, I, if we get them both back, that'd be fucking awesome. I think we could also use some starting pitching help. I don't think Sonny Gray is the answer, but other pitch, other pitchers on the, yeah, on, maybe not for you guys. <laughs> no, not for you guys. And I don't think for you guys either. I think New York was the issue with him. I think he said that on the R2C2 podcast too. He was talking about like, yo, New York is just not it. I like going to. Oakland and, and Cincinnati and small town places. I don't know. But I mean, uh, that's like Granky. Some guys just can't like handle it. Like Granky very much openly hates yeah. playing in New York. So, yeah, I mean, for good reason. We gave him hell when he came into the playoffs. But yeah, that was the uh, the Don- the whole Donald chant. The first thing <laughs> so he, he walked the bases loaded, walked in a run and then in typical Yankee fashion, grounded a double play and the momentum. <laughs> and he went on to throw like six just beautiful innings after that. But fuck, man. Yeah. Uh, Another former, I mean, on the same note of pitching, Batances goes down. What's the deal with him? Is he just never going to pitch again? I am in the boat that, like, I hate what's happened to him because, like, Yankee, Met, whatever he is, doesn't, I don't care. Like, I don't want to see guys, like, careers seemingly just get destroyed because of an injury. But Batances just doesn't have it. Unless he starts magically throwing 98, 99 again, this guy is not a good pitcher. You guys saw it. He doesn't have the control. He's never had and the, the control, vol- yeah. Yeah, he's, he's never had the control. And it's always been, he's like been a hard thrower with that nasty like slurve, slider, whatever you want to call it. If he can't throw 98, 99, that pitch is significantly worse. And like he doesn't have the control to be able to be this soft tosser. I think the Mets are just giving him his rehab and eventually just going to DFA him and cut loose and oh. let some team pick him up. But I think they're doing it right by letting him get his rehab in and not cutting him now. But from what we saw at the major league level, he just he's not a major league baseball pitcher anymore. And it sucks because he really was so good and he has just lost it all. Yeah. Speaking of MLB the show, too, that card is disgusting. All of them, the throwback card, like I, I, that card is even the live series card was always gross to use. It's just like 
I feel, I feel bad because he was just such a dominant pitcher. And it, what makes matters worse, too, like when he was on the Yankees, he came back and then he gets injured celebrating after striking two people out and he's just like dancing, doing his thing, and then he just like tears a hammy or something. But I, feel, I do feel not really even bad. like dancing. He just like did a little spin off the mound. He tore his fucking <laughs> Achilles. Like it's just perfect Yankee injury something. And I joke about injuries too, and people are like, dude, why would you even put that out there? It's not like I'm hoping for somebody to fucking rip a hamstring. It's just something that would – it's just so Yankees that somebody would strike out and walk him back to the dugout, trip over the, like, pine tar bottle. and That would know, be something I would expect from the Mets. Not, I don't know. Yeah, that's a little – I was about to say, that sounds a little Mets-like. You yeah. know? We've got we've had some injuries <laughs> over the years. No, Syndergaard speaking, I've got hand, foot, and mouth disease. Yeah. I mean, no, come on now. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's crazy. So uh, let's let's take a look about uh, just the rest of the team. We haven't spoke a lot about, like, the the – bats because i guess the bats haven't really been there because they're all injured you'd get a little taste of the replacements like we have and that that kevin pr stuff was just insane and, and he battled back and now he's he's still playing right with the mask yeah pilar's still playing he's been so he's like his numbers aren't great like he's a guy who's never going to have like a high ops because he just yeah. simply doesn't walk or hit for enough power but he's one of the few guys who like come to the plate and i'm like this guy at least has a clue what's going on he's trying to attack pitches he doesn't seem like he's cheated at the plate and he's a scrappy little player. That's kind of what he's always been. He's just a scrappy dude. Kind of gets like underlooked because he doesn't put up those home runs or doesn't walk and isn't the fastest. But he's been a really nice like guy to have at the bottom of the order to kind of help lengthen this lineup a little bit. Yeah, and he catches everything out there, which is insane. He's like he, to me, he's like a Jackie Bradley Jr. type player. He just he'll play damn good defense in the outfield, and you'll just live you'll live with the offense. So yeah, his glove's um, been better than I expected. I thought he was more of like a corner outfielder as he's been getting into his older age. He's still not disgusting defensively in center yeah. really but he's he's good out there he's very serviceable didn't he used to be though he they called him superman when he was on on toronto i think it was yeah no he was gross he was sick yeah. and that's why like i think we get into like a habit of like taking these really good defensive center fielders and moving to a corner really quickly because it's like okay now we can make them elite in the corner yeah almost like the you know astros are trying to do with george springer but he's still very good in center. Like he's our best defensive outfielder, I think by far. Almora technically, but I don't know. I don't really care for Albert Almora. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't either. And in terms of the entire just offense or just everybody in general on the team, who do you think is going to make the All Star team from the Mets? Who's having pretty good years? Because I mean, I haven't heard Pete Alonso's name ever this year, to be honest. Yeah, offensively, it's going to be tough to get a single guy on there. It's going to be really hard offensively. Our best guy offensively this year has probably been Jonathan VR, who's who's hurt right now. Yeah. Again, same thing like OPS hovering around 800. Pete's, I think, technically our highest OPS guy. He's like, same thing, hovering around 800. But he's so streaky. He'll have like those two weeks where he's hitting, and then he has two weeks where he's like completely lost, where it's like, where, where are you, Pete? Where'd you go, bud? Yeah. But the power is just not there for him this year. He has not, he's hit one home run, I think, at home, which is crazy. All his home runs have come on the road. So he'll be in the home run derby. He's not going to be, not going to be hitting. In is the he in the home run game, derby? Uh, Oh, so uh, yeah, yeah, he's in the derby. He said he's going to do it. So yeah, he's gotta, as an he's honest Mets it. fan who's on that side, do we still believe that Pete Alonso is better than Aaron Judge? Sorry, my dog's having a meltdown. <laughs> should, I, should I go or should I? Wait? Yeah, go ahead. Let him. Oh, uh, I was never truly on the board that Pete Alonso is better than Aaron Judge. I got lots of tweets. It's always been like Aaron Judge is is sick. His big thing was injuries, of course, and staying on the field. But if you take those guys at their absolute best, Aaron Judge is better. But of course, I'm always going to bring up like the home runs in the rookie season because that's that's one of the things we got on our list. We got a check yeah. mark there. We got a W. Yeah, and he and he did, he won the fucking home run derby over Vlad that year, which I, 
Vlad, maybe I wish Vlad was doing it again this year, so we could see that those two go at it again. I, I honestly think this year, for the first time, we have actually some pretty damn good names. Usually, people opt out of it, like almost like the dunk contest. We never get LeBron or anybody doing the dunk contest. We get these smaller names, like other people. But in terms of, I, I think for the home run derby to make things more fun, I think you shouldn't be allowed to opt out of it. I think if you're the top ten in home runs right in the league at that point, you just have to do it. That's it. It's in the contract, and I think that would be so fun. Like imagine we saw. I don't know. I don't know the list right now. I haven't taken a look, but like if we had Tatis and we're getting Schwarber, we're getting. Like, we, I wish we got Vlad. Otani's doing it. We're getting. We're getting about half of them. Like Judge should do it. Stanton should do it. All of these names should have to do it, and I don't care what they say because this is your job. Like, entertain me, do it. I, I think that'd be really fun, but I don't know. They'd put on a show. I love the home run derby, especially like the new way that they've done it with like the countdown. It's no longer outs. Like, it's very quick. It, yeah. it happens. It's going, and like I love the idea that it's like you need one home run to win, like a walk off home run, essentially in the home run derby. It's incredible. Yeah, and especially with the countdown thing, I think if if Vlad was doing it again this year, since he lost 40 pounds, maybe he has the stamina to get through it because that's kind of what happened to him at the end there. I know Pete's no, he's no, uh, he's no spring chicken in terms of the, the cardio, but I mean, he was able to leg him out there. But I am excited for that. Uh, I'm excited for this Mets series. In terms of uh, this series upcoming, do you have any bold predictions for us from uh, this series? Bold predictions. Man, that's going to be tough. The Mets are pretty boring. Mets don't really do anything crazy. But my bold prediction will be that Francisco Lindor hits a home run in every single game. I think this is Francisco Lindor's coming out party for the Mets. And this is going to be the series where the Mets fans finally go, there he is. There's our guy. Finally. Like, especially against the Yankees. Play well against the Yankees. Everyone will forget about the rest of the season. And that's kind of what we said like when when the Yankees were going through a little bit of a, a lull early on in the season. We were like, okay, this team will turn it around eventually. We don't know if that's the case now, but like when they had, I had the Astros series circled, and I was like, okay, like you may lose to these the Tigers and all this stuff, but whatever. Like, I feel like when you go up against a team that you know is good and there's a lot of animosity to, you'll just light up and you'll play better that time. So I think that is definitely a possibility. I don't think it's that. That is a little bold every single game. But in terms of, you know, Yankees-Mets, I feel like there's going to be a lot of... I mean, it's, I feel like it's the first time the Yankees and the Mets are good on paper because the Yankees do suck. But, like, this is going to be fun. I really, really hoped to see another Subway Series, World Series. And I still hope that happens. But I don't know. I think I think we're losing the chance there. If My bold prediction is that... Uh... Garrett Cole throws a no-hitter against the Mets. After all the sticky stuff coming off the worst start as a Yankee, he's going to no-hit him. I don't really have any bold predictions for us. I think the, our, my bold prediction may be just we score runs. Because we, we're, we're coming off just two games where we actually scored runs and the, and the pitching is just imploding. So, you know, I'm expecting very high scores throughout this. Maybe not because your pitching so good, but I don't know. I think we're at least going to put up a few runs, maybe the pitching – Gives up a ton to you guys, but your offense has been not so great recently, too. So, actually, I may be talking myself into the unders. So, my bold predictions is that we get zeros for all three games, and they just <laughs> they just run the two teams out of town. But our last thing we want to do that we do for any, any new guests that comes on for these series previews, or we've only done a couple of them, but we wanted to do these for all of them. So, we're going to do it with you. Um Whoever wins this series, we were looking to do like some type of prop bet thing, but I think it's just easier to do like whoever wins the series. I think it'd be a fun thing to do. So like on our next podcast, 
all of us will wear like Mets gears and we'll, and we'll say like, oh, the Mets are our daddies type thing like Pedro said to the Yankees. And if we win, I think you do that for your next video at the beginning of it. I know you like to fuck with the Yankee fans, so I think that'd be a fun little thing if you open the episode or open the, the video up with that. Yeah, I could do that. I could uh, find someone who's got something Yankee related. I'll throw it on and, you know, I'll, I'll say a little whatever the Yankees are, daddy or something like that. I got no <laughs> problem with that. I'm all in on a fr- fun, friendly wager. And I mean, I'm not gonna have to worry because the Mets are going to win. So it's going to be you guys. Wearing yeah, we'll it anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're wrong because I think you <laughs> totally could be right. And I think I'm just hoping that, like I said, with the Astros series, I hope I'm hoping that this is something like the stakes are hot, not the stakes are high, but like the 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 moment is big. I hope the Yankees show up for it. And we like we were talking about before how addressed the media and his quote quote was what was it Chandler? Uh, he said that Aaron Boone and the coaching staff are definitely our guys, and we yeah. know we're in a rough patch right now. We've lost games before. We're just going to focus on winning. <laughs> yeah, no shit, buddy. Thanks. Well, really, uh, you know, groundbreaking stuff there from Hal. Yeah, no, he so yeah, he got called out by like Bob Clappish, and he I think this is just him addressing that and just being like, I need <laughs> I need to show people I'm a real person. I, I don't I agree with Chandler. Chandler said while we were gone that I don't think he watches the games. I think he's just like I don't know. But I don't even think he has the MLB app. Like somebody texts him, is like, Hey man, you guys fucking suck. You probably <laughs> say something. Like, he doesn't even know their record. He probably thinks they're like fifty and twenty eight, and people are just like upset. Hey man, that's not the case. Just turn on the TV once, you fucking asshole. That's do they ever show him at the games? Like I know, no. like the Mets. Every time Cohen's in the ballpark, they show him. He's no. never been to a game, I don't think. I don't think oh he knows God. where the ballpark is. <laughs> he does I, go to the Bronx. That's not for him. No, he doesn't know where that is. So I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm excited for this series. I think that's a little bit naive of me to be excited for this series because it could go downhill very fast. But you know, with this team, it's been we've been flip flopping here and there. So we came off a big win last night. I was like, oh, the season's back, and then we do this shit again, and the season's just a dumpster fire. So hopefully, we got some some good baseball to watch, some good pitching One matchups. Guy like you said, got mad at us uh, real quick when you were today. Uh, he was because you know you keep saying your flip flopping World Series is back and everything. One guy commented on our Twitter and was like, "Well, then quit fucking saying the World Series is back." On we're like, dude, it's a joke. Like we're clearly not going to the world series. Watch a game. Like you need to join Hal and come to the stadium. We know just let us have like five minutes of excitement before it's inevitably ruined. Yeah. No, I'll let you go again. Sorry. I just thought that was funny. (laughs) Yeah. Well, either way, thank you for coming on, Mark. If you could plug yourself real quick, where can people find you on YouTube? Obviously it's pretty easy, but just give yourself a little plug. Yeah, sure. Giraffe neck mark everywhere. Mark with a C, of course. And if you guys are Mets fans that are listening to this, got a Mets podcast, Mets up. Um, you can Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. But Giraffe neck mark, that's the main thing. Mark with a C. Don't forget it. Yeah, definitely check him out. And he's not just Mets stuff, too. Like like he said, it's just a bunch of just MLB content rankings and stuff. I know those do really well for you. I think those are really fun. Uh, but yeah, I've been following your stuff for a long time. Kind of awesome that you came on, took the time out to talk to talk with us. So appreciate you coming on, and uh, hopefully we talk soon for the next Mets series. And yeah, definitely. Let's uh, let's talk again bet. soon. Thanks for having me on, and yeah, let's go Mets. But, no. Appreciate. <laughs> it. I hope you lose every game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll catch you later, man. All the guys at 161st Street. I just have two words for you. See ya.